Delta is making Americans crazy about school reopening again by Matt Welch. Published at Reason on August 10th, read here to you on August 12th. Over the weekend, parents of two of the four children who participated in my then-kindergartner's learning pod during the part-time COVID-impaired New York City public school year of 2020-2021 to wearily began the process of organizing yet another backup plan for when the local elementary school building inevitably closes down this fall in response to the Delta variant. What about the two sets of parents that did not? Our kids are attending a brand new private school literally across the street. Far from preparing to close, that institution is bracing for a possible influx of kids whose families cannot bear a third consecutive school year maimed by adults' inability to assess and plan around risk. With one quarter of students nationwide already back in school, and the Delta-fueled fourth wave of COVID peaking along the Gulf Coast and Mississippi River Basin, all signs point to another bifurcated K-12 year, in which decision-makers in Democratic-run polities advocate precautionary restrictions virtually no countries in Europe have adopted, while private schools everywhere and public schools in most Republican-run areas remain open full-time. It's time to accept that school won't be normal in the fall, wrote the gang over at Vox. Apparently, this is what explanatory journalism sounds like during Democratic-run administrations. Unlike last school year, when part-time learning and hair-trigger closures were commonest in districts where Democratic-leaning teachers' unions hold the most sway, the default this year, incentivized by the Biden administration's strings-attached disbursement of $41 billion of its overall $122 billion K-12 COVID relief package, which incidentally is like three times as much as the feds usually spend on public schools. This will mean that physical buildings are open five days a week as the default. Great. But there are a half dozen tripwires set to blow up reopening at a moment's notice. The first such landmine is the Delta variant itself, which along with a huge spike in the resurgent, here we go, Respiratory syncytial virus? Respiratory syncytial virus? Let's call it RSV. Anyways, RSV is a disproportionately child-impacting infection. Adults don't get it so much. And it has no vaccine. Uh, RSV is already leading to more pediatric hospitalizations in conjunction with COVID right now than during the pandemic's deadly peak in January, which is straining capacity at children's intensive care units in COVID hotspots. Three schools in Lamar County, Mississippi, switched to remote learning this month. Several schools in Kentucky and Georgia have also postponed the start of their school years. COVID, despite Americans' unceasing attempts to pin its ebbs and flows on politics and comparative non-pharmaceutical interventions, has until now hewed pretty stubbornly toward regional and seasonal patterns, suggesting that the current red state hospitalization wave will soon be supplanted by surges up north and along the coasts. Even if that spike is lessened by our higher blue state vaccination rates, and keep in mind that the current COVID hospitalization leader, Florida, has the exact same vaccination rate, 50%, uh, as the rest of the country, we can expect the more stringent democratic policies to trigger far more school shutdowns starting very soon. You can visualize, at least symbolically, the mostly partisan, as opposed to mostly viral, divide on COVID school policies 
by checking out the maps over at burbio.com of state-mandated school masking policies. Where masking is stricter, generally speaking, so are the rules governing other school-related mitigations. Distancing, quarantining, testing, vaccinations, responses to community spread, and so on. Those same districts are also likelier to take their cues from the institutionally overcautious Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which I would remind you, ladies, <laughs> recommends that you enjoy no more than one glass of wine per night. Good luck with that. Uh, right on cue, the CDC on Thursday issued updated guidance urging, quote, universal indoor masking by all students aged two and older, staff, teachers, and visitors to K-12 schools, regardless of vaccination status, unquote. They also advise that, quote, close contacts of infected people who are not fully vaccinated should quarantine at home for 14 days after exposure. So what's that 14-day quarantine going to look like uh, in a large public school, if strictly applied? It took one NJ.com article this week, 10 paragraphs, to come up with a decidedly non-definitive answer to that question, concluding with this quote from a district official. We are in the process of working with our nurses in the local Department of Health, as well as our school principals, in planning for quarantine and isolation situations. Given recent uh, pre-Delta history, our own 1,000-student public elementary school in Brooklyn this February announced late on a Sunday evening that it would close for 10 days because a grand total of two humans had tested positive for COVID. Uh, it's reasonable to assume and sadly necessary to plan around that extrapolations from the CDC rules will lead to more school closures, even though adult staff members have had access to vaccines for more than half a year. Will closing schools make kids who are ineligible for the vaccine any safer? That has not been the case so far. Maybe hard to believe, but that is totally true. Children in school and daycare settings have been at lower risk of catching COVID in those settings than they have been outside of them. That this is not more widely known is an indictment of the U.S. news media, whose coverage has been the most relentlessly negative on record. People have been studying that stuff. And it's also an indictment of news consumers, all of us, who need to take better responsibility for our own media literacy. But, so, what about the Delta variant, which is far more transmissible, if otherwise roughly the same in effects across demographic populations uh, on unvaccinated people, including kids? Quote, our most significant post-Delta data comes from the UK. Brown University economics professor and school COVID data collector Emily Oster wrote this week, where the positive test rate for children up to age 11 was around 2% at the height of the Delta surge when schools were opened largely without masks. This 2%, of course, she continues, reflects transmission from all sources, schools, but also households. And here, Oster, who has maintained a heroic open source database on schools and COVID, she goes to italics out of apparent exasperation. Repeat, household transmission is a much more common vector for children, meaning vaccinating people in the household is your most important prevention strategy, unquote, and italics. It's additionally worth noting that unlike in the U.S., those maskless kids in the U.K. between the ages of 13 and 17 are still ineligible for COVID vaccines. Delta's reintroduction of that unhappy sense of looming uncertainty in our personal lives has made people forget what we have already learned about the virus, while ignoring, or at least wildly misinterpreting, relevant contemporary data from Delta itself. 
Delta does not change the fact that kids who catch COVID have roughly the same chances of hospitalization and death as kids who catch the flu. Quote, the narrative that this is a new virus which is tremendously more dangerous for children is just simply not supported by the data, Oster writes. It's 1 in 200, by the way, um, uh, the chance that you have a ch after kids get uh, uh, contract COVID. They have a 1 in 200 chance of going to the hospital and a 1 in between 20,000 and 80,000 chance of dying. And that's roughly analogous to the numbers for the flu. Delta does not change the fact that kids are more likely to catch COVID from unvaccinated adults than from their pals at school. Even after the variant tore through the UK, the age cohort there with the lowest infection rate was 2 to 11 year olds. The other thing that Delta won't change, but will certainly make worse, is that school closures and remote learning have been an absolute educational, emotional and developmental wipeout for kids. Just 9% of Newark students met state math standards this spring, data show. Chalkbeat New York, New, not New York, Newark, it's hard, man, reported last week. How much did the pandemic affect students, asked the New York Times late last month. The latest research is out, and the answer is clear, dramatically. An exhaustive data analysis by the Times last week showed a disappearance of more than 1 million kindergartners from schools altogether, a disproportionate share of which were poor, minority, and otherwise vulnerable kids. This miserable record is what New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who, like, totally resigned after I wrote those words, wow, uh, threatens to exacerbate when he recklessly mischaracterizes schools as, quote, super spreaders, unquote. It's what former Food and Drug Administration Chief Scott Gottlieb perhaps unwittingly encourages by analogizing school children with adults, as he did on this week's Face the Nation, quote, I can't think of a business right now that would put 30 unvaccinated people in a confined space without masks and keep them there for the whole day. No business would do that responsibly, and yet that's what we're going to be doing in some schools, unquote. Policymaking during a pandemic is hard. Parents, myself included, will do almost anything to keep their kids out of harm's way. It makes people nauseous to see the next wave approaching, and after 17 months of this crap... The sense of surle and snap in the air is palpable. I happen to agree with the strict mitigationists that more school districts should be generating random testing data among unvaccinated kids so we can see what the hell's going on. But it's up to the rest of us to actually read that data before falling back into the same old damaging patterns of mistreating children as disease vectors, too inherently dangerous and vulnerable to be left in groups. Scores of New York City public schools this summer closed due to hair-trigger COVID protocols. Meanwhile, it's still widely unknown that the city's positive test rate among students and staff over the summer was a measly 0.21% from July 6th to August 5th, 0.37% over the past seven days. That is a 1 in 475 chance for the summer as a whole, and a 1 in 270 chance for that past week. And the odds are overwhelming that those who test positive, those few, those tiny who test positive, at least during the summer in New York, were mild or asymptomatic. Still, those numbers are certainly going to go up, and sometimes very fast, almost everywhere that isn't currently experiencing a peak. Are we up to the task of contextualizing that data and crafting rational policy responses? It's a question of great urgency for the pod parents who stayed public and for everyone else who cannot afford to choose alternatives to government-run school.
And that's the memo. Quick afterward here, uh, I've seen some alarming articles since I wrote this. Uh, and by alarming, I mean it alarms me about COVID and pediatric ICU beds and such like. Here's what I would desperately like my journalistic colleagues to provide and what I would ask uh, savvy news consumers, which is obviously all of you, to be on the lookout for when you read this stuff. So what's the breakdown in terms of kids in those ICU beds who were specifically there for COVID and kids who were specifically there for RSV, which again has been going through the roof uh, this summer and has no vaccine? How many of the COVID cases were only detected in the hospital and are not the reason for the hospitalization itself? Of the kids there for COVID, what percentage had underlying comorbidities that put them unusually at risk? And overall, how, if at all, has the underlying supply of pediatric ICU beds in a given area or state changed since last year? Right? If we only had 10 beds before, now we have five. Uh, we had nine cases last year, and this year we only have six. You see what I'm saying? It's important to, to suss this out. This is not to be nitpicky or to somehow debunk this. That's not what I'm doing here. We're trying to break down the information to make it more actionable for us as parents and also as policymakers to figure out what to do. Instead of just going, ah, <laughs> when we see a headline like I saw in Politico uh, yesterday, children's hospitals are swamped with COVID patients and it may only get worse. We need to figure out uh, how this all stuff breaks down. All right. See you guys soon.